teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And they sit and twiddle their thumbs and have no assignment and they're no blessing to anybody. So therefore disregard their lives, ministries or what they're called to do. Oh, I was reading out of most Christians' Bibles. No, for the perfecting of the saints. God gave these, these are not people. Well, they are people, but these are giftings in people. He gave these fivefold ministry gifts for the perfecting of the saints. You know, if God gave you something that's valuable, he doesn't give you something that's not valuable. So uh, he gave them for the perfecting, that means maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Well, notice he didn't say unity of uh, everybody thinking the same about everything. Well, we're, we'll get our mind renewed and we'll start thinking more alike, but there's only, the only kind of unity we're ever going to have is the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and of a perfect man. That means mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the full stature that Jesus developed into spiritually. That we henceforth, that means from now on, tell your neighbor there's something that God expects from you from now on. That you be no more children. See, he's talking here about spiritually children. We, got, we know naturally children are born and then they grow up, but he's talking spiritually. That you be no more, we could say, spiritual children, tossed to and fro. Here's a characteristic of spiritual children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Now, that's the characteristic of spiritual children. They're, non, they're unstable. <clears throat> and so we, we, we recognize that. We don't accuse spiritual children we just simply recognize they're, still, they're still in that childish stage, you know. And we're here to help them grow up. Praise the Lord. You don't accuse a child for not knowing their mathematics yet. They're, they're, they're all their ABCs and multiplication and division and all that. You just keep on training, keep on training, keep on training. Isn't that right? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Then verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, from the head, from Jesus, the whole, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which the head supplieth. Huh? Pay attention, I'll preach wrong doctrine here. Don't want to let me to get off on the... The head, it comes from the head. That's what he said in verse, for the first part of verse 16. From the whole body. From whom? Excuse me, the whole body. In other words, the end of verse 15 is Christ, Jesus. From whom? From Jesus, the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supply. Yes, it comes from the head, but it goes through other members to get to us. The supply that God has for our lives, much of it comes through other people. People think, well, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. I don't need organized Christianity. I get so tired of hearing that because, I mean, it's almost like they're saying God wants everything to be disorganized or God wants God's God of disarray or, you know, just, just all things every, every which way. Nothing prospers that way. The military doesn't prosper that way. A business doesn't prosper that way. The kingdom of God doesn't prosper that way. And it's not set up that way. How many of you know that if our, the next battle the United States gets into, if, if our president, the commander-in-chief of the military, if he says, well, just everybody find a gun and shoot. 
we're going to lose. Isn't that right? Because there has to be structure. There has to be forming. You have to form the military, and they are, praise God. They, they do it this way. They form them into companies and into branches of government. Everybody has their assignment, and they're all, they're all under somebody's command. Amen. That's what we're called the army of God. Now, he said here, from whom, from Jesus, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So we are joined into the body somewhere. Remember the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God has set us in the church as it pleased him. So we're, we're connected to some other part of the body. Like I've said several times in this series, we're talking about divine connections and spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. You never see any part of somebody's body floating along outside of the body unconnected. No, it's always connected. Amen. Amen. All right. So every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. So every joint supplies and where we're joined is where God has a supply for us. Now that's a supply of the spirit, but a supply of the spirit will bring a supply of a lot of other things. So every joint supplieth. Tell your neighbor, I'm connected to a connection that has a supply for my life. Amen. That's not just you. I'm, I have to be connected. I'm a part of the body. All of us are that way. All right. So he said that will make the increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Praise God. So we're talking about in this series, these divine connections. We've kind of spent a lot of time talking about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. Um, I'm going to come back to the overall overarching subject again of divine connections. And this will apply to spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. It will apply to any connection, any divine connection that uh, God gives us. Uh, Jesus said back there in Matthew, we'll just go back here real quick. I, I know you've looked at this several times. If you want to turn there again, you can or, or just listen. Remember Jesus was talking about this. He said in chapter number 10, he, this is Matthew 10, verse number uh, 40 through 42. He that receiveth me... He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. That's basically what he's saying over there in Ephesians, that I put things in people's lives that can be a blessing to one, that be a blessing to others, and by receiving them, you'll receive me, because I'm the one that put it there. Amen. Amen. So he that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. All right, so this is one of the categories of these divine connections that God puts things in ministers, let's say it that way. Ministers. A prophet is in the ministry. That's a five-fold ministry office. So he that receives these, one of these five-fold ministry offices in the name of that office, prophet, or any of the other five-fold, he shall receive a prophet's or reward or any whatever is on that ministry. Amen, by receiving that. Then he said, he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Well, that's not a person that necessarily that stands in a ministry office. They, of course, those that are in the offices stand in, in that right standing with God. But you understand what I'm talking about there. He's not saying necessarily they're in the ministry. But he said there is a reward for receiving a brother in Christ. He that receives, down in verse number 42, whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall no wise lose his reward. Praise God. I mean, just one of the children in the church. You'll be blessed for taking care of them back in the nursery. Amen. There's a blessing in their life. I said there's a blessing in their life for making sure they're kept and not, you know, given... 
opportunity. The enemy doesn't have opportunity to get to him in that younger stage. There's a blessing in their life. You know, like somebody said one time, you know, when you marry that girl, uh, be, always beware of her father-in-law. Amen, God. God is her father-in-law. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, that's just not whenever you get married. That's just not your wife. That's God's daughter. You can't say, I love you, Lord, and you're abusing his daughter. Or vice versa, you know. Anyway. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that in over here. <laughs> so there's a blessing. Amen. So that's what we're talking about. He said there, there's these different levels of divine connections. And then we went to another one over in, what was it? First Corinthians there, where it talks about the, the father-son's relationship. That's even beyond what he's talking about here. Praise the Lord. Sons get an inheritance. They don't just get the anointing, the blessing out of the anointing on that ministry. They get an inheritance of them having that anointing on their life. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about that. And um, I wanted this morning talk about protecting these divine connections. Would that be all right? Anything that God puts together, remember the Bible said what God has joined together. I know it's in the context of marriage, all right. But, uh, but you could apply it to other relationships. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Why do we think that's just marriage? Although it's in the context of marriage and we apply it to marriage. But the point is, he didn't just say marriage relationships or divine connections in marriage. God wants to put you together divinely. How many of you know marriage ought to be a divine thing? For you young people. I mean, if it's not quite, it's not right. Wait until it's divine. You find the divine one for you. Well, then, uh, then what, what he's saying here is that... Uh, these, these things ought not be put asunder, not just marriage relationship, but any divine connection. Any divine connection ought not to be divided. Now, really, actually what happens is Satan attacks these connections more than any other connection. He's not really as interested in dividing your, you with your connection with a fellow employee down at the job as he is dividing what God has joined together. Because he's really after God. You understand? And to get to God, he'll, get to, he'll try to get to you. So what God has joined together, don't let man put asunder. It's very, very dangerous, as we'll see as we go. We'll look at some examples this morning. We're going to learn. Everybody's learning this morning? Got their learner on? Hallelujah. Now, there's connections for church, uh, for sheep. They have a, there's a connection there. According to those scriptures, there's a connection for sheep. And the Bible says, without a shepherd, the sheep scatter. We read the 10th chapter. We go back to the 9th chapter. Jesus said that. They faint and are scattered. So there's a divine connection. God gives sheep a connection with a pastor to keep them from scattering, keep their life from scattering, keep from being scattered brain, to keep from being scattered in their health, their family scattered, their prosperity scattered. In other words, there is an anointing on that connection, that pastoral office, to help to keep things from scattering in people's lives. I know a man years ago, uh, told, he told this story himself, told it publicly, so it's not talking about anybody. He gave it as an example in his life. He said he was, uh, of course, uh, we knew this, but he went to Raymond Bible Training Center uh, where I went to Bible school, and he came up under Dad Higgins' ministry and actually was in one of the earlier classes, and because he was in one of those earlier classes, they needed people to help him around different things, and they began to use him in some ways. He began to be well-known at the ministry there, and well-known in the, in the camp, you might say. 
Anyway, uh, through the years, Dad Hagen would have him preach and do different things. But he got into some things that he started saying, well, I disagree with, with Brother Hagen about some things. And, and he actually, you know, how many of you know none of us are going to see eye to eye on everything? But we can maybe disagree without being disagreeable. You understand? But he started talking about how that's not right, that's not right. How many of you know if somebody else has been around longer than you have and, uh, you know, been preaching as long as you are old? <laughs> you understand? You might want to at least keep your mouth shut. You know, because nobody will know you're, you're, you're wrong if you keep your mouth shut. But if you open your mouth, you'll remove all doubt. Everybody will know you're wrong. But he started going that direction and he got disconnected from, from Dad Hagen. Didn't go to his meetings anymore. How many of you know offense is subtle? And, uh, you know, how many of you know God was using Brother Hagen's ministry to, to help him in ministry, to get him started and everything? How, people, how quickly people forget, you know. So, um, but he got disconnected and uh, in the process of time, uh, he was... Uh, you know, going through the motions of ministry and everything. He lost some things, but he went through. But anyway, his son, his, his own physical, biological son left him in the ministry and said, I'm going to somewhere else. I can't hack this anymore. And he, he left his ministry. And the man was praying to, God, praying to God about it, asking the Lord, now, Lord, you know, I need him. You brought him, you know, I need him, so forth and so on. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, you left your dad and now you, you reap the same thing that you sowed. He saw it. He repented. He said, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. And actually, he didn't just say, Lord, forgive me. He went back to Brother Hagin, and sat down in his office and repented personally. I mean, you know, if it's done privately, then maybe you don't need to do it. You don't need to talk to somebody. You understand? But if it's done publicly, you ought to make it right publicly. Amen. Just depends which level it happens on. Well, he had done it publicly, and so he, he uh, went to Brother Hagin privately and apologized, but then publicly he repented to his church and told him, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I said wrong things, and I want you to forgive me as a congregation, so forth and so on. And so it was with, real quickly, he said, Brother Hagin prayed for him whenever he went to him and said, now he said, your son will come back. And sure enough, just within weeks, his son called and came back. Amen. It's amazing how these things work. But see, there's a, there's a, these divine connections have a supply for our lives. Amen. I hope we're listening this morning. Everybody needs a divine connection. Somebody said, well, all I need is God. Well, according to Ephesians there, that's not true. If that's true, then God, that's why I said the funny part that I said, you know, he set these ministries in the church to be ignored and nobody pays attention to them or dishonor them. No, he set them in the church because he has something for you. And he had something in mind when he set them in he had your maturity in mind. Yes, Jesus is the only one you need for salvation. We understand that. No man has to be a part of you getting born again. God can work that without a man. Of course, it does take a man to tell the good news to you. But the point is, that's not what he's talking about in Ephesians. He's not talking about being born again. He's talking about growing up. And oh, how great the need in the church for people to grow up. Well, I don't like the way you're preaching. Well, then you're the one I'm talking to. You need to grow up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, pull back there, brother. Come on, come on. 
All right, so we're talking about divine connections. Everybody needs Church sheep need them. Ministers need them. They need somebody to speak into their lives. Sometimes they're called spiritual fathers. Some people call them mentors or whatever. Amen. So we all need these and we thank God for them. We all know that a son in the natural, if he doesn't have a father or somebody at least to play that role in his life, he's going to be, uh, you know, stunted in his development. He's, he's going to have to learn a lot of things the hard way. That's how some people end up in jail. You know, what was it, brother? Right, we were up there in, in, the, in the Lynn County Jail. Was it over 80%? I want to say even 90 or something percent of those young men in prison up there didn't have a father in the home or a father figure. Now, that'll make you stop and think. Amen. You dads play a role that can't be replaced. And of course, moms, we thank God for moms, but you understand young men need a man. They need a... Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's one of the biggest issues in our society right now. It's the breakdown of the home. That's the big issue. The breakdown of the home. Amen. We got a lot of sperm donors, but not many dads. Amen. If you're big enough to create a baby, man up. And, and suck it up and get in there and be a dad to that baby. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Everybody still happy? So we all need that in our life. Now, um, go over with me if you brought your Bible there to the book of Mark, the sixth chapter. Um, really, what you need is a, a connection to someone else who knows more than you do. And uh, we all have somebody that knows more than us. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, thank God. That's what you can do for a natural son. You know more than him. I know the natural son doesn't think that. He thinks he's all big and bad. But, you know, he'll grow up and learn eventually that you were smarter than, you th than he thought. Amen. Glory to God. People make a tragic mistake and their spiritual lives by not realizing the blessing that is on them is always connected to another man. It, it, you know, I didn't say that statement for, for a long time in this series because you wouldn't have been able to, some of you wouldn't have been able to swallow it. But there's a lot of things that you just won't have operating in your life if you don't receive these divine connections. I'm not talking about a man trying to collect people to himself in the flesh. I'm talking about what God tells us is where we belong. Amen. 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 We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the Lord. And we belong where he sets us, not where we, you know, we don't let our fingers do the walking through the phone book to find a church. It's not the one that's closest to our house. It's not the one mama's tears are on the altar there. Well, they might have long dried up and they, they, they got those tears off the altar and they don't want any of that Holy Ghost stuff anymore. You understand what I'm talking about? They might be dead and dry. Anyway, I'll just get off of that. There's a place we belong. It might not be the place, now it's not true here, but it might not be the place where the pastor's the best looking. Of course, here we got that, but. <laughs> Encourage yourself in the Lord. <laughs> My wife's not here. She didn't say, you look nice this morning, so I was just encouraged. <laughs> It might not be where they've got the greatest music. We've got great music, but, but it might not be where they have the biggest nursery and they have all the grandest and the finest technology back in the youth department. 
Do you know we have the, 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 uh, a tremendously high percentage of young people turned out of the youth department up until the last, you know, 10, 11 years we've been here. Uh, the, uh, the percentage is tremendous at how many of them are sticking in the things of God. Yeah. You ask, you do surveys. I just talked to Brother Brian Kirkwood. He was talking to a youth minister he knows, and he said, my goodness, how many percent of them are staying in the church and going on in God and so forth? And he told him, he said, that's unheard of. It is in the body of Christ. It's unheard of. See, I'm not just interested in, I am interested in quality, I mean, not quantity. I am very interested. We're going to be putting some things in motion. We've got some things we've got to do for the youth department. Very interested in quantity, but I'm not, that's not first to us. Quality is the most important thing. And I'll say this, your children are priority before the other ones that aren't in here yet. Amen. Making sure that we help you to raise your children like you want them to. Amen. We're here to assist. Amen. Can't do it for you, but we're here to assist. Amen. Anyway, we, we, uh, we've got to recognize the mistake of being disconnected from where God supplied us, where our blessing is. It's always connected to another man. If we break that connection with the supply that God gave to us, we lose a blessing on our lives that the Lord really has for us. Amen. Protect your connections. Stand up for them. Defend them. Don't let other people speak about them. Don't let a fence get in there and disconnect you. You hear this morning? Protect your connection and you'll protect your faith. You need to surround yourself with people who are stronger in faith than you are. Amen. Um, I, I want to be around people who think bigger than I do. Who, uh, who think, who think uh, you know, know God better than I do. How am I going to learn to know God better? Uh, I can gradually. I mean, it takes me more time. I'd rather help, have some help of somebody else that already been down that road. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt, came back and can tell you how to not get the T-shirt. <laughs> Amen. I mean, yeah, you can learn. Somebody said the school of hard knocks is a good school. Yeah, but the tuition's really high. I'd just rather somebody else pay that price and then they tell me. I like it better that way. Hallelujah. So hang around people of faith. You need to be around people of faith. That's what Mark 6 is going to talk about here in a minute. But people that have a spirit of faith on their lives, they have it because they meditate on the word, they act on the word, and they also associate with people who have it. Some of you didn't get that. People that have a spirit of faith, number one, they meditate on the word for themselves. They act on the word. They practice the word, put it into practice for their own life. And then third of all, they hang around other people who have a spirit of faith. I'm telling you, I can't stress to you how important all three of them are, but that last one is the one so many people miss. They think they have a faith problem when really they have a face problem. Paul said, I long to see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Amen. Amen. They have a, people don't come to a place where somebody who knows more than they do can see their face and, uh, be, and, and speak into that faith and, and encourage that faith and to strengthen it and perfect what's lacking in it. None of us are perfected completely. We all can be tweaked and, and, and corrected and strengthened. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it ought not be, you have, your pastor ever says, oh, they keep going that road, they're not going to make it. They're not listening to me. Amen. 
I mean, you ought to want to know what your pastor knows. You ought to want to know what somebody who knows God more than you knows. Amen. Hallelujah. We travel all over the United States in ministry before we came here to pastor. And, uh, but that wasn't good enough. Our own meetings weren't good enough for us. Every time there was a winter Bible seminar, that's what they called the winter meeting back in Tulsa, we were there. We scheduled that out. We didn't ever schedule that full. We, we never scheduled a, a preaching meeting over a winter Bible seminar. We never scheduled a preaching meeting over a camp meeting. Uh, and when Dad Hagen was on the road somewhere, we did our bestest, you know what I mean by that, to make sure we got to as many of those as we could get to. You know, he traveled a lot, so you couldn't get to, we couldn't get to all of them because, I mean, we would never be doing what we were supposed to be doing. But yet, on the other hand, whenever we found out, okay, down there, he's going to be in such and such a place, we'd schedule that out. And when a pastor wanted a meeting there, we'd say, all right, well, can we come that Sunday and uh, finish up on Sunday night? And we'd like to get over that other meeting over there, you know. We'd, we'd always try to make that work. Amen. We spend thousands of dollars to get to those meetings. Amen. It's important. See, it's more important to get what they have than money. Somebody said, yeah, that's expensive. Well, how bad do you want spiritual things? How important are spiritual things to you? Amen. Some people put more value on money than they do the spirit of faith or the anointing or making progress. Amen. Protect your association with God and his word. You know, the Bible says we're to abide in him and his word abide in us. We're to make sure that's protected. Develop the spiritual discipline of feeding on his word, meditating on it. Number one, your own personal relationship with God, number one. But second of all, protect those divine connections, those divine associations with other men that God has brought into your life to bring a supply to you. That's paramount. That's more important to listen to me. Listen to me. I've had people get all upset about this, but that doesn't change what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you don't love me more than uh, your family, you're not worthy of me. Isn't that what he said? Spiritual relationships are more important than natural relationships. Oh, I've had people get mad about that. Oh, that's terrible. You're tearing apart the family. No, no, no. They're, they're the one tearing the family apart. If they're not pursuing God like you're pursuing God. I can't tell you. I, I wish I could sit and, and explain to you the dozens and dozens and dozens of women we've sat and talked to who married wrong and are suffering big time today for it. Oh, they look nice, come to church and look nice, but you, what's going on on the inside, the regrets they have and the things that they're going through because they didn't listen to the Spirit of God and didn't value spiritual things enough to say no. Anyway... Just trying to help, not, not you know, are, we're very compassionate about these situations, but it's, it's one thing to fall into that kind of thing before you knew any better. But to come up through this church and do that, I mean, whose fault is that? Amen. I mean, I'm just, I'm just appalled sometimes. How many of you know we shouldn't desire natural relationships over spiritual relationships? The heartache people go through, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one lady, bless her darling heart. I mean, married a druggie in order to have a relationship in the natural and left the church because we didn't endorse it. You know, they can do what they want to do. We didn't say, you can't get married. I mean, we, we didn't say that. That's their own business. 
but we couldn't sit there and say, oh, this is wonderful. Yay, we're so happy for you. <laughs> well, what happened? Well, you, you probably already know what happened because you can just guess. Fell apart, now needs more assistance because they got another child out of it and he's a deadbeat dad. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. It, uh, it shouldn't be working so much. <laughs> the devil shouldn't be able to get away with all this stuff. Amen. All right. So protect these divine connections. All right, have you found Mark chapter number six? Verse number one. He went out from thence and came unto his own country. I'd say his, we'd say his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in their synagogue or the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no might. No, look at this, look at this. Could there. Didn't say he wouldn't. Didn't say he, 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 he uh, 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 you know, didn't want to. He said he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Y'all there? Now, um, Jesus was in his hometown. You know, you want to make good in your own hometown. I've been back to my hometown, wanted to make good. Didn't make too good, but I wanted to make good. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? My mom even said one time, well, we know, because we, my aunt and uncle got filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, they explained to them why I didn't come back so much. My, they said, well, his call to the ministry can't function back. They, my aunt and uncle told my parents this. I'm thinking, whoa. You know, he can't function back home because nobody's accepted in their own hometown. So my mom told her, we understand, we understand how it is. Well, see, they can understand, but how many of you know that's a choice, not a, just an automatic thing because you're family? Amen. It's not an easy thing, but it is possible to know somebody in the flesh and still honor their ministry. Amen. Anyway, these people, they knew Jesus after the flesh. Notice how they described him. We know his brothers and sisters. He grew up around here. You know, you might could say today, they might say something, well, he grew up with my son playing in the sandbox. Well, I changed his diaper. You know, that kind of thing. Who's he think he is? He's anointed. People do that with human beings. They, they, they get connected with a ministry and then because of a lack of understanding, that minister allows personal relationships. See, I don't sacrifice the pastoral anointing to have a buddy. But it's a dangerous thing because people can't separate that. You know, so they get to know him as a, you know, a, a NASCAR guy or whatever their hobby is, you know. And they don't know him after the spirit. You understand? It's a serious deal here. But there is a situation here where Jesus could there do no mighty work. Now why? There's three words I want you to notice here. Number one, the word is in verse number Verse number three, offended at him, offense. Number four, or verse number four, a prophet is not without honor, honor. Then verse number six, he marveled because of their unbelief. So we see three things here with the reason Jesus couldn't do, his, do mighty works there. Number one, offense. Number two, honor. Number three, unbelief. Can you see that? So what do we find then? 
that a spirit of unbelief permeated this whole community. Isn't that right? So it really shut down the power of God here. There are people in Jesus' hometown that could have, should have, would have been healed and helped if they had been living in a different town. If they had been living in Capernaum, for example, you read Jesus' ministry in Capernaum, they received him well over in Capernaum. If they had been living over there, they could have, would have, and, and should have, would have, could have, should have, would have, whatever, received healing. <laughs> Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That's what we see in this passage of Scripture. Why? But they didn't. Why? Because of a community of unbelief. Amen. These people developed a familiarity with Jesus in the flesh. And it propagated unbelief through the whole community. Who does he think he is? Amen. How many of you know you've got to stay away from people who are in unbelief, offense, and dishonor if you're going to receive from the where God connected you in your divine connection? You just have to protect your relationships and not allow other relationships to keep you from divine connections. Hello? If you don't, you'll be kept from receiving things you could have, should have, and would have received if you had not allowed that dishonor, that knowing somebody after the flesh in. Years ago, one of the men in a, that was ministering in a healing school back where God was bringing us up, training us and things and teaching us so much, um, one of the ministers there in charge of the healing school, you know, after years really of sitting under his ministry, I began to almost feel like I knew him personally, although I didn't. Been to his house one time for a Christmas party, but that wasn't just me. That was a whole group, you know. And so uh, anyway... The uh, thing, uh, thing about it was I started feeling like almost like I knew him. And I remember one time after being around him after services and everything, I got to thinking, well, you know, I'll just go back there and, and you know, in his office and, and just sit and talk to him, you know, get to know him. And I started walking back there. There was, a, there was a door out of the main hall where the public hall was through a kitchen, back a hall to his office. I'll never forget. I went through the, I came through the door, going in the kitchen. I'm walking through the kitchen. And this happened three separate times. I was walking through the kitchen and the Holy Ghost said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going back to talk to brother so-and-so, minister. He said, uh, the Lord said to me, he said, that's not the kind of relationship I want you to have with him. Stopped right in my tracks, turned around, went back out. That happened three times. See, see, some of us get it quicker than others, but anyway, I got it. Third time, what what are you doing? I'm going back to talk to brother so-and-so. See, I I had some interest he had. He liked fast cars, fast boats, fast planes, fast, fast, you know, fast and furious. That was his. <laughs> so I, I, three times, the third time, what are you doing? I'm going back to talk to Brother So-and-so. He said, that's not the kind of relationship I want you to have with Brother So-and-so. Amen. See, he knew what would happen. I would fail to receive what God wanted me to receive there if I allowed that to happen. Some people have other, they, they hear that and they say, oh, that's, that's not right. Well, Jesus here, they did it with Jesus. Protect these divine connections. Number one, by just not getting to know them after the flesh. Amen. See, God didn't bring us together to have a buddy relationship. He brought us together for spiritual things. He didn't bring us together so that we could build fast race cars together or something like that. You understand what I'm talking about? Just in the fleshly kind of thing. 
Well, I thought I'd get better amens than that. When you don't protect these divine connections and so forth, you actually lose out on things you could have, should have, and would have received. Amen. It'll cost you dearly. It'll also cost you dearly to hang around people who carry a dishonor in the, for, for the one that God connected you to. If they are offended, see, you can't, you can't just be in offense without being in the other two. You can't be in dishonor without being in the other two. You can't be in unbelief without being in the other two. It's not a one, I'm just in offense, but I have strong faith. No such, no such animal, no such critter, creature, or creation on the planet. <laughs> yeah, you got it. So whenever you find one, you'll find the other. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I remember one man one time, he said to somebody here at the church, well, y'all, and he, he came here regularly. He was all, all the time here. He said, well, y'all down there at your church, he started treating like it wasn't even his church anymore. Well, you hear that, you know something's got in. See, be discerning and recognize those things and recognize I cannot, that doesn't mean you discount him as a brother or you never say hi to him at church or anything, but you just can't be over at their house having dinner, sharing heart to heart. Amen. You have to protect that relationship. Anybody getting it? So it'll cost you dearly to hang around people of unbelief because, or people of dishonor or people who always want to talk about offense. Amen. You got to protect that divine connection. Now here in Nazareth, the whole community, it spread through the whole community, apparently. They, he said he marveled because of their unbelief. The whole community. Shut down the power of God, didn't it? Let's look at what they did and see what not to do. Would that be okay? Now, they said we know his brothers and so forth. What they did was they tried to pull him down to their level, treating him as a common man. Well, Jesus was a man and God, both. But when it, when it applies to one of these divine connections, one of these people that God connects us to, they are a human being. Don't misunderstand me. Put their britches on in the morning just like you and I, you and I do. <laughs> Amen. If they don't take a shower after a few hours, they start stinking like you and I do, you know. They're human. But they're more than that. When the anointing is on somebody, they're more than just another human being. I mean, when, that, when that God gave you a connection to that anointing, they're more than just a human being. You understand that? And so we must not recognize them just as a human being. I don't mean they're not human. You understand what I'm talking about. They're no longer just a common man. They're a carrier of heaven's power for you. Amen. Now, so this, this kind of connection is to be honored. And the, the human is to be honored, yes. But what the main thing you're honoring is that gifting on the inside of them and the anointing on them to bless our lives. Because remember, he either receives a prophet in the name of the prophet. In other words, it's that office. Not just the human. Now, we ought to love the human. That's pretty bad whenever you love the anointing, but you hate the person. It'll probably affect your love for the anointing, but you understand what I'm talking about. So honor that divine connection and honor that office in your life. Hallelujah. Honor is what you must show in order to receive. Somebody said, wait a minute, I thought we received by faith. Yes. They run together. Honor, faith. And, and love and forgiveness is the opposite of offense, you know. 
those things all are contributing to your faith to receive. Amen? The Bible tells us these people were offended at Jesus. So Jesus tells us the reason they were offended. He said they didn't honor him. Isn't that right? Those that you honor, they can never offend you. Because honor is a choice. Being offended is a choice. It's a wrong choice, but it's a choice. Isn't that right? Those you honor can never offend you, but those you fail, fail to honor, you will become offended with. We have to understand that. You won't be able to receive from somebody that you don't respect or honor. I know faith is involved, but that's, that's all, it all goes together. What you honor, you will keep. What you fail to honor, you will lose. That's something that I learned years ago. Dishonor is a poor receiver. If I don't honor, whether it be my wife or, or, or my money or whatever, I'll lose it. If I don't honor it properly, I'll lose it. Isn't that right? How many of you know if people don't treat their body right, like putting the right things on the inside of it, eating the right things, then they're going to lose it. We only get one down here. You have to go to heaven. Somebody said, that's what I want. Yeah, but finish your course before you go to heaven. Amen. Now, it doesn't matter, really. Uh, the word is our standard. Somebody said, well, but yeah, but they didn't do right in this area, this area. Well, if, if it was just a mistake of the head or something and not a continuous lifestyle, you can still honor that, that office. You understand? Offense will destroy anyone who yields to it. Somebody said, why do you talk about this so much? Because this is one of the devil's favorite ones, to get people disconnected. The reason offense is so dangerous is because it automatically puts somebody in unbelief. Amen. Unbelief always accompanies offense. There's no such thing as unbelief running by itself or offense running by itself. Somewhere, you remember uh, over there in the book of Psalms one place, it says, it talks about uh, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. If you and I are failing to have peace or really any of the blessings of God, there's some area of our life where we got offended. Not me, Pastor. Well, whenever the word came and we said, no, I don't, I don't. That's really offense. We're offended at it. Amen. So unbelief always accompanies offense. You can't get just one and not have the other. God's blessings can only meet faith. So understand that and keep your faith. Guard your faith by guarding your honor for, for those God's put you together with. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, um, these three words run together, and it's, it's deadly, actually, for one's spiritual health to yield to any of them, because if you yield to any of them, you yield to all three. You cannot be offended, or no one can offend you without your permission. Well, I just can't help it. Well, who's, whose offense is it? Amen. You give permission to yourself to be offended. It's a decision you make. It's also a decision to walk in honor. Never allow offense in. Don't, I mean, it's a decision. No, I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not thinking that. I'm not thinking that way. Shut up. Devil, get out of here. You have to answer those things. That's what we learned from Jesus. He answered things. It's impossible to get you to get me disconnected from Dr. Dufresne. 
Well, I don't like that. I don't like the connection. We're going somewhere else. Okay. But I'm staying connected to my supply. You know, looking back, it's quite amazing what the Lord said to me, really, before I even understood that we were going to be connected. Dr. Frain and I, the Lord said to me, there, you obeyed me. Remember that, that, that meeting where I introduced myself, invited him to come to our church? There, you obeyed me. He says, it's going to save your life. You know, now that I look back on that more and more, I'm thinking, that was serious. That wasn't out of my head because I had no clue what God was doing as far as a connection, you know. At, at that time, I didn't know. Hello? Somebody said, that ought to, did that scare you? No, because I obeyed him. Amen. So it saved my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like I said, a lot of people don't realize many times their blessing is collected to another man. Oh, I just don't like that statement. I don't, well, there's something in you that doesn't like it. What is it? It's offense. Amen. It's a decision I have made. It's a decision I have made to stay connected where God put me. We love everybody, but, uh, you know, that's the decision that we've already made. Hallelujah. So make a decision to safeguard these relationships. The devil wants to get congregations separated from the pastor. He wants to get ministers separated from a spiritual father, so to speak. He wants to draw them away because he knows he can scatter their lives. Just like that pastor that got disconnected from Brother Hagin and his son left. Amen. It's a tactic of the enemy. Don't be foolish. Amen. Don't be undiscerning. Don't just think, well, that person's talking offense and they're my friend, you know, I'm, I, I, so I, I need to be out with them. Hey, what's more important, divine connections or friendship? Friendship's not forever. How can two walk together except they're agreed? Amen. Now, and don't be foolish enough, enough to take other people's offense. You know, offense needs company. It needs to talk. It needs to... It looks for somebody to agree with it. Well, I just want to tell you what I heard. You're being set up by the devil. See, offense can't stand alone. If it was really God... It could step out in faith on its own and doesn't need anybody else's support. But offense can't do that. It's got to pull everybody or try to pull other people with it. If it was really God, you could do it without other people. Talking to everybody else. Amen. Praise the Lord. Keep the car ready, brother. I'm leaving right after this. <laughs> Get away from people like that. Churches have things that go around and, 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 and uh, so forth, and according to the degree of how the leadership handles it, how free things are to run around. But I've noticed throughout the years of traveling and noticed here, uh, it doesn't happen as much as it used to, but um, it used to be whenever things would go around, it'd always be the same people that it goes around through. Same people caught up in the, in, the, in the Facebook dispute. Same people caught up in the, in the, in the, in the discussion about somebody's fault finding, or, you know, somebody's failure or something like that. You understand what I'm talking about? You know why? You know why people that are offended seek you out? Because it recognizes offense. Offense recognizes offense. Faith recognizes faith. What you ought to do is, is show it something other than offense. Offense next time they come. You need to say, I'm not listening to that anymore. My ear's not a trash can. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Pastor's loved. Amen. I believe it, Lord. I receive it. I thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Make the decision before people come with offensive talk that, that uh, those days are over in my life. I will not talk that way. I will not hold, sit in those conversations anymore. I'll get up in the middle of the meal and walk out. Make that decision before things are said. You'll be a long ways down the road whenever it comes up. Because how many of you can tell when things are starting to go that direction? You know what I'm talking about? That's the time to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not sitting here and talking about that. I'm not talking the way the leadership treated you. Did you go to them and talk to them about it? No, I didn't. Well, then you're unscriptural. You know what scripture is? If someone has offended you, you go to them. Why is it that people don't go to the person that they feel like offended them? Maybe they did or didn't. Maybe they didn't even know what they were saying, you know. But they don't go to that person, but they go to somebody else. It's because they're dishonorable people. You need to go to the person who offended you. We've done our bestest to, to reach out to people whenever they come to the church here. And we, we're, we're working on it all the time and developing ways to help integrate people in and have friendships in the church, you know, and show them we care and minister to them and so forth and so on. But when somebody, uh, whenever somebody does slip through the cracks, because we've tried all kinds of systems here. We, remember, we tried attendance. Everybody gave, you know, signed in and attendance. We tried that and that didn't even work because not everybody cooperated with that. We were trying to make sure that not anybody slipped through the cracks, you know, is in the hospital and we didn't know about it and all that. And we're trying to, I mean, in the goodness of our heart, we're trying. We did all these systems. Now we've got a new one I think is going to work. But, but uh, we're always trying. But then you got the people that, that slip through the cracks because some people do sometimes. You know why they slip through the cracks sometimes? It's because they're not involved and, and they're on the fringes. They don't develop relationships whenever we do reach out to them. And so when they're not there, and because they only come every third Sunday anyway, you, you forget that they're not here. And then they go through a traumatic situation and get offended because we didn't call. Well, we, we try to make sure nobody slips through the cracks, but whenever you're only here every third Sunday, whenever you won't, you're standoffish and like this, you won't develop relations, you won't get involved in helps ministry, that's a good place to get to know people. And people recognize you're missing whenever you're in helps ministry. But to uh, get all upset at us because we weren't there for you in that situation, I've got to the place where I don't take that upon my conscience. That's on your conscience. Why didn't you come to us and say, you didn't visit me whenever I was there? Or you didn't come to us rather than go talk to somebody else and get offended about it. That's not the right heart. Anyway. Hello. <laughs> Trying out of the goodness of our heart to reach out to people. Hallelujah. But don't allow other people's offense to get in. It's amazing what people get offended about. Is it all right if I go on on this? We get people that get offended by the music. We get, they get offended at how loud it is. They get offended that, that we're too friendly. Did you know our church is too friendly? That's one of the biggest, biggest characteristics people say. This is a friendly church whenever they come in. But then some people, they're too friendly. Oh, what do you want? Hold on to your wallet. We just love people. We love people. <laughs> then they get offended. We got people that are offended because they're too friendly. Then we got people that are offended because we weren't friendly enough. How many of you learned you can't please everybody? 
Then we get people offended because the church is too fancy. We just had one of those. And then the next service, somebody came here that was, they were here for another reason. They are here for a birthday party, but they also wanted to see the church because it's so pretty. How are you going to please everybody? They, everybody loves it, but then somebody's offended at it. It's amazing how often this thing works. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's just stop it. What do you say? It's just immaturity. So nothing's going to work for our lives. Jesus, the Word, the Holy Ghost, nothing's going to work. God can't work in our lives without getting rid of some of this stuff. It puts us outside of the reach of the blessing. That's what offense does. It moves you outside of the place where God can bless you. He wants to bless you, but you've got to stay in the place where He can reach you. Offense closes up your spirit. Actually, the power of God can't flow because you're all closed, not because God's not flowing towards you, but because you've shut it off. Over there in Proverbs, it says, talks about the, uh, the gate, well, the King James doesn't say it, but uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The word, the word thinketh there is gatekeeper. There's a gatekeeper, and whenever you have the right gatekeeper, the blessings of God come in because you open the gate to the blessings and you shut the gate to the other things. But when you get offenses, you switch gatekeepers and offense is now the gatekeeper. The only thing you let in is what people say offended. People's offense. You believe that, but you don't believe the good things anymore. Do you know I am a spectacular human being? I have the ability from one service to the next to go from being absolutely wonderful to mean, cunning, and, 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 and conniving, and, and, and un, my motives are wrong. And that's a spectacular human being that can do that. But it wasn't us that changed. It was the gatekeeper on people's hearts that changed. I'm keeping some of you awake. <laughs> Amen. Offended people are in unbelief and it'll destroy their faith and none of the blessings of God can get in. Amen. It's very dangerous. My goodness. Let's look at one of these. I'm, I'm running out of time real quickly. Go over to the book of Genesis. Genesis, the 13th chapter. I'll just refer to some of this. Without reading all of it, I'll tell you the story. This is when Lot... And Abraham's cows got so multiplied, there was strife in the herdsmen. You remember that? Let me just, for time's sake, not read it all, but you can just write down Genesis 13, 8 through 11. The Bible there talks about uh, the strife that arose, and Abraham said to Lot, let there not be strife between our herdsmen. Abraham said, you know, there's a lot of land here. If you go over here, I'll let you choose. You go over there, and if that's the case, you want that land, then I'll go over here. And if it's vice versa, I'll go to the opposite place you want. And the Bible said there concerning Lot that Lot, he looked at the land and he saw the part that was well watered um, before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah there. And he said, then Lot chose in the King James, the Amplified, he chose for himself the land over there by the uh, well watered plain. Now, um, Abraham was a man of faith. Those that were connected to him lived under the, the blessing of the umbrella of his faith. Lot was not wealthy because he himself had a covenant with God. 
He was connected to, now we all have a covenant to God, I don't mean that, but, but I'm saying this Old Testament story, he was connected to a man of God that walked with God and the blessing was flowing in his life and uh, he was blessed because of his connection with that man. Isn't that a blessing where we can actually, we have our own covenant, we have the blessings of God, we have our own faith. But how many of you know God allows us to connect up with other people of faith and we can live under the umbrella of their faith? So we got faith plus we got the umbrella of other people's faith? Wow, I'll take that. I'll take that. Isn't that right? So uh, Lot didn't realize though that when uh, he was connected to Abraham, how much of what was in his life was because of his connection, not just because of him. You understand that? When we have fellowship with others who have strong faith, we get a double blessing. Isn't that good? But um, there are people who don't develop their own faith. And we're not preaching, you know, don't ever develop. You don't need to develop your own. Just ride the coattail of somebody else's. That's not what I'm talking about. But while we develop our own, what's, what's, why not receive the blessing of other people's faith? Amen. 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 So in the midst of all this blessing that Lot was walking in because of his connection, he made one critical mistake. Because of this situation of strife, he started thinking that it wouldn't, wouldn't affect him to disconnect from Abraham. He said, well, well, we'll go. Abraham suggested it. I know it wasn't Lot's idea, but Lot should have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know, where, I know why I'm multiplying in cows out here. I'm not going to that side and you're going to that side. I'm going to have a barbecue, Abraham. Your whole family's invited. We're going to kill a bunch of cows. And I'm going to stay right here with you. Amen. But the mistake that Lot made was that he thought the blessing originated with him. Listen to me. I'm going to get to something. Um, he didn't think anything of leaving that divine connection because he didn't count it as important as God made it. You understand? It is important. Now, when Lot parted with Abraham, he began to lose. You read the story, which we don't have time. He lost everything and eventually was reduced to nothing. Abraham kept increasing the whole time. Lot actually lost his family. He lost his cattle. He lost his wife. He lost the morality of his children. He lost his, but it all started with losing his connection with Abraham. Because you remember, he moved away, but then he actually moved into Sodom and Gomorrah. So it wasn't just a, a moving away physically. He went away from the spiritual supply that Abraham brought to his life. Now he's living in, living in that squalor place. You understand? Abraham kept increasing. When Abraham suggested that they, they part company, that was not Abraham's responsibility to keep Lot close. It was Lot's responsibility to say, not so, I'm staying right here. Remember Elijah and Elisha? Because he wasn't, he wasn't a man who valued divine connections. Now, people do that with their, uh, believers make that mistake with their church. They come in and their life is in shambles. They've got money, crisis going on, problems. And then they start sitting under their pastor and it's not the, the man, it's the, it's the anointing to preach the word and they start hearing the word and they start getting their mind washed in the word and they start thinking right. And then they start uh, being doers of the word and it starts working for them and they start increasing and, and things start coming together that we're falling apart. Amen. Where they once experienced failure and loss, now they're starting to have the blessings gather up. 
Amen. Peace comes back to the home. Their minds are restored. Their marriage and their children start growing upright. Amen. Finances start working for them. Now they can keep a job. Now they don't fly off the handle and lose their job because they're getting things right. You understand? Amen. Financial things, healing, all those things. But then they forget that the blessing was connected to being where they, God told them to go. And then a job opportunity comes up. Or a promotion comes up. And they say, well, we can't have you. Uh, we have to have you here on Sundays. Well, man, it's more money, you know, and I'm believing God and so forth and so on. That's a, is your name Lot? See, in order to increase, Lot thought it'd be best to separate. Spiritual, if you're going to prosper and keep on increasing, spiritual things have to be the priority, not natural things. Amen. Because it's all the root of all of it is spiritual. Hallelujah. But they get a little lazy in their connection and their faithfulness to the church and start laying out a little. You know, they got that nice bass boat now and Sundays are always sunny. And you know what I'm talking about. They forgot. They forgot. It didn't originate with them. Hello. Somebody said, yeah, but it's good for my business. Well, what's good for your business not, might not be best for your spiritual life. When God blesses your life, he adds no sorrow with it. So he doesn't take from one area of your life, like your spiritual area, so that he can increase your financial area. He wants to look at you like he looked at the creation after it was all good. Remember, he's, he created this on one day, it was good. Another thing on another day, it was good. And then he wants to look at the whole and say, it's all very good. He wants your life to be good and finances good in your home, peace in your marriage, a sound mind. You're not squirrely anymore in your thinking. You're not going to the hospital with panic attacks anymore. But he also wants your life to be spiritually blessed. Amen, where it's all good. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? So Lot actually separated and must have sold his cows because he ended up living in town. He sold his cows for increase financially, but he wouldn't sell his cows for to stay connected spiritually. Ooh, we see the heart. We see the heart. That's something that happens in churches. Well, say amen. Let's look at one more. Just because if I get this done, we can finish this series. Would it be okay to stay another few minutes? I want you to go over into the New Testament now to the book of Acts, the 15th chapter. Need to get to this. The Lord really put this one on my heart. Tell your neighbor that pot roast is going to be all right when you get home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Acts chapter number 15. Did I tell you which chapter? Acts chapter 15. Let's just start in verse, uh, let's start in verse number 36. Some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and See how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John. He's called also, well, here it calls him John Mark, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia. That was the first missionary journey. Mark had started out with them, but then he left. He went home. And went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Amen. So here's a 
I don't know if you remember God putting these two men together. If you go back to the 13th chapter, God was the one that put these two men together. Remember, there, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted in the 13th chapter, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. For the work whereunto I have called them. So God called them together. He, he called them to work together. This was a divine connection. This was not a man-made thing here. God put these men together. Can you see that? It's interesting, isn't it? Now, John Mark, if you study this out, John Mark was uh, Barnabas's nephew. In other words, he was a family, he was a member of the family, the natural family. So John, Barnabas got determined. Notice the language there. He determined. It says there, verse, uh, let's see, I lost the place. Where is it? He determined, verse 37. He determined. He determined. In other words, he got set on it being his way. Some people have thought Paul got, he missed it here. But actually, uh, apparently not because God saw fit to record the rest of Paul's ministry. And from here on, Barnabas is not mentioned one more time in the New Testament. Barnabas at one time used that. Sometimes people say, well, I have that tendency to get real stubborn and so forth. I got to have that thing knocked out of me. No, don't knock it out of you. You need that, but just use it the right ways. That can be a great blessing if you channel it the right ways. Don't channel it towards getting your way, but channel it towards having God's way. I'm going to stick with what God's saying to do. Be stubborn, all right, but be stubborn towards the right people. <laughs> Amen. And, and pliable with the right people. Amen. Anytime you get determined something's going to be your way, Satan's going to use that to get you disconnected. So we're learning about how to stay connected. We're talking about protecting this, these connections, aren't we? Amen. So the Holy Ghost put them together and, and, and God wanted them to work together. And Paul was the one that apparently was in the right because people say, well, he was just offended. Paul was offended at John Mark because he left. And, and so he was offended. Well, later on, you find out Paul wasn't offended at all. He asked for John Mark to come. He said, bring John Mark. He wasn't offended at John Mark. What the issue was is he knew John Mark wasn't mature enough spiritually in his younger days of ministry to go through what they were getting ready to go through. The persecution had happened in just a few verses in Philippi. John Mark would have not been ready for that. Paul was not offended. He was protecting him. Listen, I'm going to have to share some things and then we're going to go. So he was really protecting him. So this is a divine connection that was actually not guarded properly because somebody got determined to get their way. Amen. These divine connections are few and far between. And the way you treat every other relationship is going to have to be different than the way you treat these divine connections. In these divine connections, your way isn't that important. It's what keeps us together. That's all I'm really interested in. Let's stick together here. Of course, I know there's, there's things that people get off and they're, they're, you know, people aren't even walking with Jesus anymore kind of thing. And I'm not talking about that, but you know what I'm talking about. Just these personal preference things. Hello. So we have to, at all costs, guard and protect these associations. Now, um, these, things are, uh, these things are attacked by the enemy, these connections. So be aware of the enemy's strategies. Only God can release a man from a connection that he puts you in. Don't let offense release you. 
Well, I have a release in my spirit. I know a lot of Christians don't know the difference between a release in their spirit and relief in their flesh. Their flesh doesn't like to say, it's however you want it. Ooh, their flesh doesn't want to do that. But that's part of training, you know. Amen. Oh, pastor, keep on preaching, pastor. I can't wait to hear what God's going to do. <laughs> he traded off a divine connection for his own way. How's that working out for you, Barnabas? I'll tell you how. God didn't see fit by the Holy Ghost to record anything else he did disconnected from, what he, from his supply. See law. You're off the radar in the whole scheme of God's plan whenever you get disconnected. Hello. Well, I see those rotten tomatoes. Put them back down. <laughs> Amen. Barnabas was the one that suffered all the loss. You got to give up your own way sometimes in order for the great good of this connection that God has you in. I'm not talking about some man always, you know, bossing somebody around. I'm not talking about that. Amen. So later on, like I said, God brought, I mean, uh, Paul brought John Mark back. Um, but really, here's something we need to understand. Paul as a spiritual daddy to John Mark as well as Barnabas. Paul actually recognized when somebody wasn't ready for something. You understand? People can be put into ministry positions too prematurely because they're not ready. Maybe they have a gift or a talent, but they're not ready in their character. And they're not safe for the church and for the people and for the, for the department. I mean, they'll do their own thing. They won't honor the leadership and honor and respect the direction given. And see, we've had people like that around here. And they wonder why we didn't recognize their gift. Oh, we recognized it. They had a gift, but it wasn't about their gift. It was about the best. It's not, see, listen to me. It's not, just, it's not just the best for the church, but it's best for them that we not put them in places too early because they will get lifted up in pride. Then nobody can speak into their life. You understand? So it's not even good for the person, the young person who wants to, oh, put me in, put me in, make me a leader in the church. Sometimes pastors have such needs in departments that they'll put people in who aren't ready for it yet. Then they'll get bit by it. You ever notice we don't do that around here? It takes time for people to grow and develop. Weeds spring up real quick. You talking about me? I don't know. That's between you and God. Spring up real quick. Well, they want to be used here and used. I'm God's man of faith and power. But flowers take time to bloom. And they develop slower and those that have a sweet aroma of the nature of Christ, whenever they're leading in places like, man, that's just sweet to God. Amen. I'm almost done. Tell your neighbor he's almost done. Praise God. So we ought to let people bloom and grow and mature over time. So they become a properly, we can become properly acquainted with them. The church can become properly acquainted with them and learn to trust them and know and See that they're okay, they're safe. Hello? It takes time for you to see people in all different circumstances to know whether, how they're going to react in that circumstance, in that circumstance. Well, I'm going somewhere else. They don't recognize my gift. Well, we do recognize your immaturity. Amen. Some people might have a gift, but they're too young or skilled in the word to really be able to flourish in that position. Their character's not developed yet. 
they're going to actually do harm to the church. Amen. It's a pastor's job to protect the whole church. Hallelujah. Um, as a pastor, we're to, uh, it's our job toward our congregation is to mature the sheep and not just recognize gifts. It's not that we don't recognize gifts. It's that we are to mature the sheep and let people develop character that will enable them to stay put whenever they are put in positions. You know, your gifting can put you in places your character can't keep you. I know I'm going too long here. Everybody's kind of losing their connection with the service here. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. So Paul was protecting Mark from putting him in a position where it was above his spiritual growth and development. And actually, uh, Barnabas got determined that it'd be a certain way. Don't value your opinion, number one. Don't value natural relationships, number two, higher than spiritual connections. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sailed off into history. We don't know anything about him whenever he did that. Interesting, isn't it? Now, here's something to young ministers. Let me say this. Mentors or spiritual fathers are to train and equip people to be able to stay under their, their place of authority and not just be the big honcho. Amen. Amen. Somebody who will stay loyal is a better uh, asset to this congregation than somebody with a tremendous gift. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It's a challenge for some people because of their tremendous gift to wait until their character is developed right. Amen. I, I saw a lady on TV. She, well, she didn't do it on TV, but I heard about it. She sued a minister because uh, he, he didn't, she didn't think they gave her enough money. Somebody saw a gift in her and let her go before she was developed in character. Somebody needs to take her behind the barn. Do that to the body of Christ. Whatever happened to go your way and wipe your feet off and don't say a word about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Zeal is wonderful, but it'll get you in trouble if you don't mix it with some wisdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Hagin said preparation time's never wasted time. So enjoy the preparation time. Listen, I'm going to finish. This is what the Lord wanted me to say this yet. Enjoy the preparation time. Enjoy the training. It's all part of God's will. Just enjoy it. Decide to thrive where you are. Before you're in that place of authority, just say, woohoo, I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at. Hallelujah. Be content there. Don't let your desire for ministry pull you away from your preparation time. Amen. Tomorrow will take care for the things of itself, the Bible says. As you're faithful to God and obedient to God, he'll get you to where you're going. Hallelujah. So if you're not where you know God's going to take you yet, just smile, rejoice, and say hallelujah. hallelujah. If God would let me, I'd go let somebody else lead this church. I'd just sit here, woohoo, wouldn't have to make all those decisions. I got more decisions to make every day than I really cared ever to have to make in one day. I'd love to just say, okay, somebody else can make those. Woohoo, going hunting. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. No, enjoy it. Don't lust for things because sometimes whenever you, those who lust for certain things, they're the ones that aren't safe. 
those who just patiently, they're not looking for positions. They're not looking for recognition. They just want to be a blessing any way they can. They're the ones that are safe. And sometimes until those people get that out of them, they're just less and less and less, and you can't put them into positions. I heard a story of a man drowning, and I am closing. I know you don't think so, but I am. One time there was a, there was a man, he was up in the crow. They were in the dock uh, in a sailing ship, and the guy was up there working with the sail up top, and a wave hit and knocked that guy into the water. He was a newbie, new guy. And he fell into the water. He came up, sputtered, help, help, help. And one of the old seasoned guys went over to the edge of the boat. And he just sat there and watched him sputter. And he went back down. And somebody said, get him, get him. He said, not, not, not yet. He came up the second time, help, help, help. Went down again. And they were wondering, what's going on? He came up the third time and went limp. The, the, the guy that knew about, you know, rescuing people went off, got him, pulled him out. He said, why'd you wait so long? He said, well, if that guy would have, if I'd have tried to rescue him before he stopped, got, all, got all that kick out of him, he'd have taken me under too. Yeah, when you're sitting there, I gotta, let me preach, let me, well, we gotta let you get that out of you. Stand to your feet with me. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church Post Office Box 8355 Cedar Rapids, Iowa 52408 And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.